This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Coaching Today. It's all about coaching from different perspectives. So rise and shine. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Excellent. Good morning, everybody, again, and welcome to The Breakfast Show with Flora Cooper. And rise and shine. Um, Apologies if my voice is a bit scratchy this morning. I am um, recovering from COVID, so huge apologies in advance. (laughs) We have got a lineup of some great, great guests this morning. We have Kate Smith, Lindsay Clancy, and Tom Sherrington. So a really full, full morning uh, this morning, talking about coaching. Now, we're looking at different perspectives of coaching. So looking at coaching in schools, coaching uh, with leaders, so leaders receiving coaching, um, looking at coaching in schools and what that might look like when it's effectively embedded. Um, And I've spoken to quite a number of people now about their different perspectives of coaching, which I'm going to share a couple um, during the live stream this morning. So yeah, so welcome everybody and hope you are all okay this morning. Now, the question is, how many of you are actually recovering from COVID? Um, Because I know suddenly schools are being inundated with COVID cases and it seems like nobody is talking about this. (laughs) So yeah, let me know because that would be a really interesting, I think, conversation to have as well. Anyways, so coaching in schools. Now, last week we heard from Sylvia on The Breakfast Show, which was last Sunday, and she was talking about leadership coaching with Yamina Bibi. Um, And if you haven't listened to that, you definitely, definitely need to. Um, That was a fantastic show looking specifically at leadership coaching and instructional coaching in schools. So if you haven't listened to that show, download that and have a listen. Um, Our first guest this morning is Kate Smith, Katie Smith, and I'm just going to wait for her to call in. She's not called in just yet, but she's going to start us off this morning looking at coaching and providing coaching for leaders and head teachers. So before we get into that, I am going to first of all run our, hang on just a minute. (laughs) Um, Before we get into that, I'm just going to very quickly say I've got two pieces, which I'm going to read to you a little bit later on in the show. Um, where we are going to hear from Josh Goodrich, which is Josh CPD, 
and also um, from Craig Brown as well, both on Twitter, which I'll give you their hashtags a little bit later, their um, Twitter handles. Um, but we're going to hear a little bit about what they say about coaching in schools, and they've successfully embedded coaching within different um, school contexts. So we're going to hear from them in a moment. But we have Katie here. She is joining us, and I'm going to welcome you in. Katie, are you there? Hi, Flora. Good morning. Hello, how are you? You doing all right this morning? I'm all right. I am here. I am live and kicking. It's it's sunny in the Cotswolds. It's just, it's chaotic <laughs> on a Saturday morning, isn't it, right? It is. Well, it's gorgeous. The weather is amazing. I think we need to soak this up today. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So would you like to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your your background and yeah. Sure. Okay. So I know that we know each other anyway, because we've both worked for Oxfordshire CC for quite some time. But um, so now I am currently the network leader for the Heads Up for Head Teachers community. And I'm also a coach and I'm a former primary head teacher. Yeah. And you're now in the world of coaching very much so, aren't you? <laughs> I am totally immersed in it. It's my core, my core purpose is coaching, I think, which is incredible like the transition from headship into coaching has been very interesting but I am definitely living on purpose right now yeah that's amazing you know I was thinking about this and actually I think that's another show in itself is heads who've left the profession to go on to something else and I think I may get you back for that one oh it would be my pleasure there are stories of hope <laughs> there absolutely are yeah. um so coaching so when I speak to you about what you do now though you are so passionate and you're one of the most Honestly, when I when I hear you speak and whenever I have a conversation with you, you are one of the most uplifting and passionate people I know about what you do. And it is it's really inspiring. Um, and so coaching, why coaching? Why? Why do you think coaching is so powerful? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, for me, and I always start with this because I actually hate introducing myself to my job title. Um, but I would say because my core values all center around connection and authenticity and love, coaching is just a, a has been a really natural progression for me because I get to do what I love. I get to connect with people. I get to listen, which was just one of my favorite things to do and ask questions. Um, so coaching is just really right for me at the time, at this time. Yeah. And you always use those words sort of connectivity, the authenticity, and um, it's really lovely to hear you speak about it because, as I said, this passion of yours really comes through. And that's kind of the core is you talk a lot about purpose and, and coaching to find people's purpose as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I just talk a little bit about what I do then, because the majority of the people that I coach, Flora, as you know, are head teachers, um, head teachers, past, present and future. And so I guess at the moment, it's a really tumultuous time. And, you know, the majority of the people that I coach are really quite all consumed and lost in that kind of operational firefighting zone. And what we try and do, what I try and do through coaching is just really reconnect people with their core purpose and get them to think about why are you doing what you're doing? 
actually. Who are you as a leader, but also beyond your identity as a head teacher or a school leader? Um, so the coaching is really holistic, but it really helps people to identify what their core purpose is. And then, of course, you know, when you work through that process, you live with more purpose and fulfillment in your life. So always moving forwards. Yeah, absolutely. And that whole idea of purpose, because I always think if you don't know your purpose, especially as a leader in a school yes. and a head teacher, you know, you are absolutely what you said. You're it's almost like you're lost. For sure. Yeah. Um, have you have you found that there's more need for coaching now? Because obviously you were talking about the tumultuous time. Absolutely. Especially over these last couple of years we've had. But oh have you goodness, found there's yeah. more of a need for coaching or people have been reaching out to you more for coaching? I think there is always a need. In fact, I think coaching and mentoring need to be part and parcel of what head teachers experience, like not just in the early years, because lots of people um, are allocated a coach, aren't they, when they start their headship. And then that kind of tailors off and that support diminishes. And I think actually, this is one of the most challenging roles. Headship and school leadership are so challenging. And coaching, you need coaching in place. You need um, to help you know, answer those questions and you need a support network around you. So, you know, part of the work that we do at Heads Up for Head Teachers is campaign that head teachers should have coaching from the offset and throughout their career. But, you know, there are so many people reaching out for support all the time. And what we try and do, and what I try and do is get to people before they reach that burnout, before they reach the crisis point, so that they realise that actually coaching and what we call intentional well-being is part and parcel of what they do so that they don't get to that point where they feel like they are at the end of the line. So that's really interesting. So I'm going to ask you a question then. So mm. obviously I'm an advocate of coaching and I think everybody should have a coach. Me too. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, this, this whole idea of leaders especially head teachers new in the post what mm -hmm. would you say to to a new leader coming in about coaching because i know a lot of people have different perceptions of coaching and some negative obviously some positive mm -hmm. what would you sort of say to them to convince them that coaching is a really powerful tool that's going to help them sure well you know I think there's specific challenges to leaders in education, um, as well as specific challenges, particularly for female leaders as well. But a lot of the coaching that I do focuses on supporting head teachers to overcome the barriers that are specific to their role. So if you're new into headship or new into leadership, you know, there are some challenges that you're going to face that you may not be familiar with. And I talk a lot about the imposter syndrome, the isolation, the high accountability system, the impact that the job can have on your physical and mental health and relationships. Um, but also, and I would say this to people stepping into the role who are looking for a coach, you don't get time to celebrate all the incredible stuff that you do often enough because once you're into that role you are you know you are all consumed and you're straight in there and you know your, your door doesn't just nobody um, leaves you alone you just don't have that time um, which is great because you're doing what you want to be doing but actually 
Coaching can give you that time if you can carve out that time to do the reflection, to do some inner work, to challenge your values, to challenge your vision for the school and just again to help you keep moving forwards with things. So, um, you know, it's like I said, it's just once you step into that role, actually, you, you can feel like you're on a bit of a treadmill. And then to get away from that, you need to be really intentional about your well-being. And I really, truly believe that having coaching sessions really, really supports that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a crucial bit of it is the well-being factor, because I think yeah. we talk a lot about coaching in schools. We talk yeah. about embedding it in a school context to help with sort of instructional coaching mm-hmm. and and aspects like that. But I think often the head teachers kind of get left out. And mm-hmm. I think there's, the, there's this almost um, perception that from head teachers, I think themselves, yeah. that they have this perception that it's time, extra time, when actually what you're saying is absolutely, you need this time. This is crucial to you being it a better is leader. essential. I, t- I honestly believe this. And, you know, this is what we know about head teachers. Head teachers put themselves first every single time. So what they're busy doing is putting everybody else before themselves, you know, their, their families, their staff, their pupils, their communities. And actually, they rarely focus on themselves for, first. And I think, you know, something that we've got to remember is that self-compassion and self-care is not selfish. It's not indulgent. It's actually essential. Um, and I just see so many leaders pouring so much of themselves into their own, like into other people's well-being. Actually, what happens is their own identity becomes completely diminished. Um, and you've got to remember, if you want to be your best at work, then you've got to be uh, in a really good place yourself. And if you want to be the best with the people at home, you know, and the people that you love, you've got to be in an amazing place. You've got to be, at the, you know, at the top of your game. You've got to fill up your own well-being bucket intentionally. And I think coaching is part of that. Yeah, uh, good completely, afternoon, completely agreed. Good afternoon. Um, oops. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, the key thing is, you know, we talk about leadership or especially headship as being this very lonely place. And actually, you know, with what you're saying, it doesn't need to be, (laughs) you know, you can have a coach. (laughs) No, this is it. I mean, like, honestly, I believe that headship is one of the most joyful jobs in the entire world. It really is. But actually, because it's such a challenging job, there needs to be an acceptance of that. And I just really encourage people to be intentional. We talk about that isolation. The isolation doesn't stem from being lonely because you're surrounded by people, wonderful, inspirational people all the time. The isolation stems from feeling disconnected to uh, the people that you work with. Um, and, you know, again, that's because we do work in a really, I call it high accountability system. But actually, sometimes, Flora, it's a toxic accountability system. You know, and if people don't feel that they can talk about the stuff that's going on, um, not just in their schools operationally or strategically, but if they can't talk about what's going on inside, in their hearts, and what's going round and round in their minds, then that's what leads to the isolation. Yeah, and it's that word you used, intentional. Intentional. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's really powerful because what you're saying is, and and I completely agree with this, is as a head, you have got to be intentional about Mm -hmm. 
receiving this coaching and receiving the support because as you said, it makes you a better leader. It makes you more effective and it makes you the best you can be for the people you're leading. It does. Absolutely. I think head teachers need to be open to this. And, you know, I work in a community which actually we've got hundreds of head teachers that join us for coaching sessions every single week. And when they start, I always say to them, how are you? And it's a very sincere, how are you? Because what we don't do is answer that question genuinely. We tend to say, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. And I have to gently challenge people to dig a bit deeper because you know what? It's okay to say, I'm not okay. And it's really dangerous when we like wear that headship cloak all the time and we wear that headship mask because, you know, we feel like wearing that mask protects us somewhat from, you know, the accountability system and it kind of shelters other people. They feel reassured knowing that we are leading well, that we are strong, that everything seems okay. But come on now, like you do the job, I've done the job. It's tough is tough and so there has to be a space for people to talk about the things that matter to them um you know head teachers deserve it too yeah absolutely they definitely do and i think it, it's not even the you know deserving it's actually what you're saying is you need it it's crucial <laughs> it's essential it's absolutely essential and i see it in the people that i work with the people that i coach these are the leaders that are thriving because they're yeah. identifying what brings them joy in the job they're talking and articulating uh, you know what they're good at in their role nobody asks you what are you good at as a head teacher nobody focuses you what brings you joy and if you think you know what brings you joy that's great but are you intentionally carving out time to seek out the things that bring you joy in the job Probably not, because unless you've got a coach or unless you've got somebody challenging you all the time, you can become all consumed, I think, by this role. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's really good because one of the things that I, I've noticed, especially sort of within OCC, you know, where, mm -hmm. where you've worked as well, sure. um, that there's counties that are really understanding this and... Yes taking a real lead role in making sure that their leaders and head teachers are getting the support they need. So yes. I know OCC, you know, used you to, to start offering free coaching, sure. um, which has been amazing because it, it shows the impact that coaching can have on leaders. And mm -hmm. the thing I was thinking as well is with leaders leaving and teachers i mean it's it's across the profession mm -hmm. that people are leaving the role more and more yeah i mean maybe coaching's the answer i think it's definitely part of the solution and you know touching what you said like we work with so many counties um and local authorities that are really invested in their head teachers Actually, you know, shout out to Oxfordshire, shout out to Hampshire, Norfolk, Merton, Islington, and Warwickshire. Like we're working with these incredible authorities that invest in their head teacher well-being. So what you get is head teachers that are being coached and peer coached, and then head teachers that are being trained to coach in a framework, and then head teachers that are sustaining that coaching and that support and that network. And those are the head teachers that feel valued that feel connected and then then you can start to address the imposter syndrome then you can start to address those feelings of isolation because they're being held they're being supported 
And I think it should be across the board, you know, nationally, coaching should be part and parcel of what school leaders have um, when they step into that, that role. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. Mm. I love it. So when you were head, just out mm. of curiosity, did you experience coaching as a head teacher? I have been super fortunate because I experienced coaching before I was a head teacher. Um, in fact, coaching was probably what spurred me on. Um, I always say I was an accidental head teacher. It was never my purpose to be a head teacher. Nonetheless, I became a head teacher, but I experienced coaching from when I was an assistant head teacher and looking to get into a deputy headship. Um, and my coach really worked with me at that point because I wanted to have a part-time deputy headship because my children were young and there were just no posts available. And I'd convinced myself that I was either going to have to take a backward step, you know, sort of career-wise or a sideways step. Uh, and you know me, like I've got fire in my belly. I was like, that's not good enough. This isn't right. So I had, um, I had some coaching around that. I did step into a part-time deputy headship post. Um, and I've experienced coaching in, in, in other ways as well. I remember during lockdown, I became part of a women's coaching circle, which was just so uplifting um, and so needed at that time. And the connections that I made with those women in that group was just incredible. Like I have a solid friendships with those women now. And I'm also part of um world uh sorry women of the world program at the moment with the lovely julie reese and isa uh, buena camino and you know again i'm connecting with women from venezuela uh from sweden from singapore from the, the philippines and for me it's the feeling of connection and we're all peer coaching together supporting each other championing each other and it's just it's incredible flora yeah, that sounds amazing. So, mm. I mean, do you think you'd be in a different position then without the coaching? Do you think you'd be somewhere different? I wouldn't, I, you know, progression and career wise, I would not have reached headship without coaching. I can tell you that now. And on the flip side, without coaching, I wouldn't understand my core purpose. I wouldn't understand my reason for being. I wouldn't have done a lot of the reflection and the inner work and the challenging, the self-limiting beliefs and barriers. Coaching just helps you move forward holistically. You know, it's great if you've got a goal to be a certain job um, role. Coaching can help you with that. But actually, coaching can help you with so much more in terms of self-discovery. It's honestly incredible. Yeah, it, it, you know, you've, you've really, <laughs> I'm already sold on it, but if anyone's been <laughs> listening, <laughs> I think they would be sold on it as well because, you know, coaching is so powerful. And, you mm -hmm. know, when I have these conversations with people about, about um, coaching and they have a negative connotation of it, or they think it's almost this wishy-washy Oh, conversation. Lord. No, no, this is wrong. It's not wishy yeah, absolutely. at all. You know, <laughs> so, it's such a well-crafted um, and structured and just incredibly wholesome and beautiful. But, you know, this is professionalism. It takes skill and talent to be a good coach, um, right? You know this because 100%. you're a coach yourself. A hundred percent. And yeah, it's about these powerful conversations that actually, you know, really good coaching conversations actually transform people. I've seen it transform people. And that's what I'm trying to get across to people when I'm having these conversations. It's, you know, coaching is so powerful. Yeah. 
I totally agree on so many levels. Um, like I think the key words from this floor have got to be intentional mm-hmm. and powerful and transformational. Um, and you've got to be open-minded to this. I think there's a lot of stereotypes around coaching and what it involves, but you've really got to get stuck in. And again, you've got to be intentional about wanting to move forwards and wanting to support mm-hmm. yourself, your own well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I like those words, intentional, transformational, powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, amazing. So I'm going to let's end this with your final sort of message to anyone sitting on the fence, because I am completely like you, an advocate of leaders and head teachers mm-hmm. having coaches. I mean, you know, people in medicine, um, Atul Gawande, he... Uh, there's so many people who who talk about the power of coaching that everybody needs a coach. So we've yeah. got to get over the stigma that actually coaching is a negative thing because it's not. Coaching is necessary. No. So it, what would be essential. your yeah? So what would be your final message to anyone sitting on the fence mm-hmm. for head teachers, for leaders in our schools? Sure. What would be your final message to convince them that they need to go after the show today to get a coach? Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. I I would say to your listeners and to anyone that's just even tethering and thinking about getting a coach, if you want to discover more about who you are and what you do, and if you want to lead with courage and conviction in your schools whilst staying true to yourself, then you need a coach. I love that. If you want to lead with power and conviction. Mm. I like that. Absolutely really, really great way to end that. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on this morning show. You're so welcome. Thank you. It's been all my pleasure. Oh, it's been brilliant to speak to you. It always is. And I will speak to you very, very soon. Take care. (laughs) Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Take Take care. Bye. 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 Amazing. So we just heard from Katie Smith. Um, Fantastic. Um, Talking about the power of coaching for leaders and head teachers. So we're looking at coaching. If you've just joined the show, we're looking at coaching from different perspectives. We talk a lot about coaching being embedded in the school context, but we're looking at coaching from different perspectives to see that actually everybody in a school needs coaching. And often the head teacher is forgotten. And as Katie was saying, it's about making sure that your leadership is with purpose and it's intentional. Um, And in order to do that, you've got to have a coach. You need to have someone to have these powerful conversations with you that hold you accountable, that make you transform what you're doing. And and as she said, if you want to lead, you know, with this this purpose, you need a coach. So go out and get one. <laughs> All right, so Fantastic. We've got two more guests coming up a little bit in the show. Um, We've got Lindsay Clancy and Tom Sherrington, again, sharing more perspectives about coaching in schools. But before we listen to one of them and hear from them, we are going to hear from our sponsors. Uh, So, and we're going to hear some of the news. So stay with us. Again, you are here for the Saturday Breakfast Show with Flora Cooper. And remember to tweet um, and hashtag TTR2022, TTR Radio, sorry, 2022. Um, And here you go, listening to our sponsors. 
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. With a Slack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Scottish Conservatives have called for Curriculum for Excellence to be axed. Oliver Mundale, Scottish Tory education spokesman, said, Scotland's education system used to rank among the best in the world before the SNP came to power. We should return to the strong, traditional, teacher-led approach that gave so many of us who went to our local school a decent start in life. Quality, knowledge-rich, universal education is at the heart of being Scottish. We pride ourselves on being a nation of innovators, entrepreneurs and thinkers. We are at risk of losing all that if we keep sticking to the same distinctly unscottish approach that has seen our schools plummet down international league tables. A report in December found one in four primary school pupils to reach expected standards in reading and numeracy.
In Tanzania, extensive collaboration between the Ministry of Education, Science and Technology and local government has resulted in an Education Sector Plan, ESP. For the first time in Tanzania, the plan provides an overarching framework within which the plans and budgets of all implementing agencies must be set and aligned to. The new ASP highlights two key policy initiatives. Firstly, Tanzania's commitment to providing 12 years of free and compulsory basic education to the entire population, leaving no one behind and the progressive expansion of technical and vocational education and training to provide Tanzania with the pool of skilled human resources needed to advance to becoming a semi-industrialised middle-income country by 2025. Since the Government of Tanzania started implementing a fee-free basic education policy in 2016, enrolment has increased in basic education and the number of out-of-school children has decreased. The education plan recognises that increasing school access while simultaneously improving learning outcomes will present a major challenge for the country. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tools to influence opinion. However, it's becoming more popular with scammers. I decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert. I've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency. One ad caught my eye as I was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser. It read, Elon Musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform. I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, Money Supermarket, and other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So, I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FinoFX. Strangely, though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise. A silence before the connection. Why, if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hi, today am I speaking to Mr. Steve? Steve what? That's me. Steve, you're speaking to... 
only from Fino uh, FX, how are you doing this morning, sir? And I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield, came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company. On the 20th of March at 8pm on Tom Rogers' show, we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic. Why not join us? I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe. The padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted. It's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is. Anyone can buy an SSL certificate. Please be careful. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was 2 Minute Tech. 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, brilliant. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, and again, you are listening to the Saturday Breakfast Show with Flora Cooper, um, talking about the power of coaching from different perspectives. And we're going to have a guest on in just a minute, Lindsay Clancy, which I'm going to introduce in a moment. But before that, uh, I spoke to a couple of people um, about coaching and their views about it in school. And I spoke to one person, Craig Brown, at Craig Brown Ed. Um, he's the head of quality assurance and school improvement at Oak Academies Trust in Leicester. And he told me that he is totally sold on instructional coaching. He's seen it turn good teachers into better ones in a short space of time, purely down to the specificity of the feedback, the personalized nature of it, and the absolute insistence on practice. He said that they started last summer and joined the coaching collective, trying to learn from some of the best. And he felt that, obviously, instructional coaching is alien to a lot of staff, and training them on the art of coaching has been crucial and essential. They decided on having a small group to be coaches rather than everyone. And obviously, he said that COVID hasn't helped, but our progress has been ultimately hampered by time. And I think that is a key thing is time. And we're going to talk about that. I think that comes up as a theme in everything. Not having structured time in the day or dedicated regular meeting time, while obviously still having other professional development to do, meant that it doesn't automatically become the number one priority. And Craig thinks that this is crucial, that you need to set out the year with coaching in mind. Coaching needs to be a real priority for everyone in the school. Um, and then it needs to also be sort of the mode in which you deliver your professional development. Having said that, he said our staff still needed other professional development, obviously, and the knowledge they have now about the science of learning helps them to better understand why a certain highest leverage action point, HLAP, has been chosen. Um, at his school, they use StepLab to guide their steps. And again, this has really helped support their coaches in deciding on the steps. Some coaches at the beginning were very anxious about knowing what to look for and what to pick up from what they saw. Um, but using the StepLab obviously helped them and helped people be accountable to each other. Um, they used TLAC walkthroughs and getting better faster, which also helped. And every member of staff had a walkthrough book or two and can use that to reflect on the steps. 
Um, as you would expect, it's supporting the ECTs tremendously well. And he said that the progress he's seen in some ETTs in their classroom practice has been extremely impressive. Um, little action steps are addressed and their incremental improvements are clear to see and they stick. They also appear to like it as well, which is fantastic. Um, more established staff say that they haven't had such specific support in developing their craft in a really long time, but it can be hard to spot um, HLAPs for accomplished staff. And whilst he does think that anyone can be trained to be a coach, he thinks that the skilled coaches are useful to have to work with this staff group. So his key points, I think, through that are A, give time, make sure you're training staff really, really well, support them with a library of potential steps, so teacher curriculum, um, make it a priority and value it. So don't just have it as an added thing. It needs to be a priority. It needs to become embedded um, and ensure staff practice and don't allow opt out. So it needs to be bought, bought in by everybody. Um, so really, really great there from Craig Brown. Again, that he's on Twitter at Craig Brown Ed. Um, thank you so much for that. Yeah, really, really useful. Um, so again, if you've just joined the show, we're looking at coaching, different perspectives of coaching um, and the power of coaching for everyone in school. So looking at leadership, looking at head teachers and teachers and ECTs and everybody in the school community. So we are joined as well this morning by Lindsay Clancy. I am going to get Lindsay on for a new perspective of coaching. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? I'm very well. And contrary to the stereotype, it is a lovely sunny morning in Scotland. which is Oh, excellent. <laughs> it seems to be the sun is shining everywhere today and it just makes such a difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. So this morning we're talking about coaching. Now, Lindsay, can you just start by sort of um, giving us a little bit about your history, who you are, and why coaching? Of course. So I have been an English teacher for 15 years, and I was introduced to coaching um, a couple of years ago now. So the, for the past seven years, I have been principal teacher of English and literacy in a secondary school in Glasgow and I made the kind of huge life-changing decision to step away from that role and give it up. Um, so I left that role last August and now I am currently, I work, um, I do a bit of, a bit of everything. I work um, part-time as an English teacher. I work part-time with the University of Glasgow as an associate tutor and I've qualified to be a life coach and I've started my own coaching business. So a bit of a jack of all trades at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's amazing though. Um, so a really rich though background. Um, so it's fantastic. So why coaching though? What led you to coaching? So I really didn't know anything about coaching and it was really funny that, you know, sort of Katie and yourself mentioning before, you know, there is, I think, this conception of it being almost a bit kind of wishy-washy, a bit, you know, kind of airy-fairy. I really didn't know anything about coaching and in 2019, um, we had trainers come out from the General Teaching Council of Scotland to work with our, um, our management team for a day looking at um, coaching approaches in school. And throughout the day, it just completely resonated with me. Everything that they were telling us 
about you know the power of listening about how effective and wonderful coaching can be and really by the end of the day I just thought I have to make coaching a part of my life this is the best CPD that I have ever ever encountered um, from there, I joined up to their year-long kind of diploma course, um, which again was fantastic. Um, and at the end of that, um, you know, got my certificate and did my essay and all that kind of thing. Um, but I still think I knew that I wanted more of coaching in my life. I started to embed coaching in my practice as a middle leader. Um, you know, I, I led a large English department. Um, with eight staff and I started to really kind of try to embed coaching approaches um, within my department which worked really really well um, and so coaching my love for coaching was very very much a, a part of my decision to step away from my management role um, I really thought that I would leave my role to actually become a full-time just an English teacher again without the management responsibilities and allow me the time and the headspace to build up my coaching business um, and then kind of got this sort of opportunity out the blue for the University of Glasgow as well. Um, and again, I've been able to use coaching approaches with the students um, that I, you know, I'm like, for example, I'm a school experience tutor. So I go out to PGD students and then EDUC students. Um, I work with them. I, I go out and do their observations and give them feedback. And actually what I've learned is that coaching approaches can just be taken in, in all aspects of life. Um, you know, I frequently find myself, you know, coaching myself. Um, and it's just, it's just really brought so, so much to my life and actually has really, really changed the course of my life. That's funny when you said you start coaching yourself, but it's true, isn't it? Because you do start going through the questions yourself and Absolutely. asking yourself. I know. So Right now, then, as a coach, who are your clients? What are who are the people that you you talked about? Obviously, coaching your students. Um, who else? Who else are you coaching at the moment? Yeah. So, at the moment, I'm very much working with private clients. Um, we are. I'm sort of getting a plan together with my current school to start working with staff, um, with the management team, but also with staff across the school, which is so exciting because I think any school that takes a coaching approach is really is really showing a, a real investment in their staff's wellbeing and their staff's mental health. Um, you know, coaching is about drawing out the best in people. It's about drawing out, um, you know, all the, all the wonderful talents and, and skills and ideas that, that people have. And I think ultimately, you know, from, from my kind of 15 years in schools, I think something that stands out really strongly is that, you know, the, the value of listening to people. People want to be heard. They want to be listened to. Um, they, they want to feel valued. And, and part of the, you know, the, the, wider, the, the wider school and the running of the school. And I think that very much, I think what I love about coaching is, is that it applies to everybody. Um, and I think... I think it's so important to sort of distinguish between the idea. I think there's a real kind of fuzzy line in some people's minds between what is mentoring and what is coaching. And I get asked a lot, you know, what exactly is coaching? You know, and I think there is absolutely a place for, for mentoring in schools um, in terms of, you know, the traditional sort of mentoring being seeking advice and wisdom from people who are more senior than you um, and more experienced than you. And of, of course, there's a place for that. 
but I think coaching is, as you know, of course, coaching very much relies upon this kind of foundation that people are whole. Um, people have resources they can use. They're, they're not broken. They don't need to be given answers all the time that actually people are inherently capable themselves. And I think that's a hugely empowering um, message for schools to give to their staff that we know you can do this. We know what you have to give and those coaching conversations really really bring that out yeah that's really powerful what you said about you know you have this within you we trust you we know that you've got this and absolutely and that's that is how coaching should be perceived is it's about the school empowering the people who work for them you know it's about empowering the staff and making them believe that they have the tools inside of them to do what they want to do and 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 to you know, achieve success and whatever success looks like for them. Yes, um, very much, you know, and I think the, the other sort of the wonderful thing about coaching is it can be done in, with, in any partnership at any level. It doesn't need somebody senior, um, you know, and it actually, it, it works really well when, for example, you know, I couldn't mentor a head teacher because I've never been a head teacher. I don't have I don't have the advice to give to a head teacher, but I could absolutely coach a head teacher because in your position as coach, you are not you, you don't have the answers. You're not it's not about you imparting wisdom and, and I think for some people that's quite a sticking point I've, you know people have said that to me before well what's the point then if you're not giving people answers but actually the point is so much more profound that you're leading them to their own answers yeah I think that's that's a really important point because I think I th- that that possibly is where people have this preconceived idea of coaching that you know what is you said what is the point of coaching <laughs> if, if point? <laughs> yeah if I already have the answers and yes. it's so much more than that and the thing is is you know you've even said the word trans you know transformation and Katie and I said it transformation is you actually see a transformation in people when they have these coaching really powerful effective coaching conversations and so what would you say then to people? So if, if someone said to you, what is the point of coaching? Why, why am I going to go into coaching if I already have the answers? Why? What would, what would you say? I think often, you know, a, a lot of the clients that I, that I work with, you know, it, it, you're in that position where you can't see the wood for the trees. Um, I, I think sometimes it just takes somebody to, to shine a light. Um, and, and to, you know, coaching is about gaining new perspectives on things. It's about really looking at what are my limiting beliefs? You know, is what I believe about this situation, is, is it true? Is it evidence-based? Are there other ways of looking at it? How can we test that belief? How can we test that perspective? And actually, you know, as you say, it, it's wonderful when you see people have that just that kind of light bulb moment where they go, my God, I, I just, I, it was right in front of me and I, I, I didn't see it. Um, and it's it's just wonderful to, to, to see that, that moment. You know, I think that so many people, women teachers, they're, they're quite overwhelmed by, you know, sense, a sense of self-doubt, a lack of confidence, overwhelmed by, by workload, but there, there are ways out of these things, you know, and I've been there myself. I've, I've felt trapped. I've felt overwhelmed. I've felt, oh God, how can I get through? 
this, this huge amount of work that I have to do. I don't have time for my friends, my family, you know, and I think that's very normal things for teachers to feel at, at all levels. Um, and coaching can really just help you pick your way through all of that. Um, and I think, you know, I always sort of ask for feedback from, from my clients that I've been working with. And the most sort of common feedback, that the words that come out are words like, I feel lighter, I have a, a real sense of clarity, I feel calmer, I have a greater understanding of, of myself and my goal and where I'm going. And surely that's what all schools need as staff to feel like that, um, you know, to ultimately deliver better learning and teaching to our young people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a crucial thing what you said about, you know, we've we've talked about well-being and Katie referred to the well-being and how coaching really helps with teachers and leaders well-being and you referred to the overwhelm and Katie also referred to that this this overwhelm that people feel in the job and in the role and we know especially you know during covid and and the 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 I think the decline in mental health that we've seen since covid Mm -hmm. um and teachers and professionals and education leaving in such high numbers that why isn't it that schools just turn around and say, actually, if someone's feeling overwhelmed, if someone is struggling with mental health and, and well-being or, or that overwhelm in school, why isn't coaching often the first answer? Yeah, I think I mean, you're so right at what you're saying. I mean, if we, if we look at that test well-being report that came out earlier this year, you know, the, the huge amounts of, of staff, um, of, of teachers who are feeling overwhelmed her feeling that they have poor mental health and actually one of the kind of saddest I think statistics in that report for me was about teachers having a real kind of lack of confidence now especially I think in the aftermath of COVID. Why people aren't turned to coaching I think probably because there's just it's there's just not enough known about it at the moment. I think that I think people misunderstand what coaching is. You know, I, I get asked a lot, well, well what, what's the difference between that and therapy? What's the difference between that and mentoring? Um, and I think just genuinely people just don't really have a, a, a sort of a good grasp and understanding of what, of what coaching is. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think it needs to be sort of put out there more as a really, as a really effective, viable intervention, you know, and the thing about coaching is it fits so well with what schools are trying to do because it's all about outcomes, you know, and certainly every school that I know is all about outcomes. It's how can we get better outcomes um, for our young people, for our staff, and actually coaching is such a great way to do that, and I think there just needs to be a sort of greater awareness of, of exactly what coaching is and, and how it can be embedded in schools to create more of a, of a coaching culture across the school. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, maybe it is that, that focus on outcomes that would change people's minds about coaching because, you know, we talk about coaching and, and often I've had, I'm sure you've had the same conversations where you talk about coaching and people say, Oh, no, yes. <laughs> I'm not, you know, why do I need coaching? It's that, it's that question. Why, why do I need yes. it? Um, and it, it's maybe turning it on its head and showing people how outcomes are affected and impacted because of coaching 
and and selling it to schools that way almost I think so. I think, you know, that there, there is a perception, you know, as coaching, is it just sitting about talking? And actually, it, it really isn't, you know. And I think that, you know, for people who, who know coaching and, and understand what true coaching looks like, it is such a, a structured, focused process. It, it's not just sitting, having a nice chat. It's always about the goal. It's about the outcome, um, you know. And so I think... I think for you know, I think that would be a huge draw for um, perhaps head teachers or senior management who are maybe feeling a bit sceptical, thinking is this really a, a robust and rigorous um, sort of way to go? That actually it is about taking specific targeted action. Now, whether that is on a whole school basis, whether that is just on a one-to-one basis, you know, when I work with my private clients, it's about taking specific targeted action. It is looking at what can I do to get from where I am to my goal? And we do a lot of really detailed exploration of the goal and where you want to be, as of course, you, you know, as a coach, you know, you, you don't get bogged down in the, in the problems in the past. It's all about, it's very future focused. It's very future facing. And I, I would think that would be really attractive um, for schools who often are really, you know, thinking about the outcome, outcome, outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just goes back to what you were saying is that, you know, people have a a misconception of what coaching is. And it's about making sure that schools know about coaching and not only know about it, they know how to effectively embed it across the school. Now, we're not talking about because obviously a lot of schools do instructional coaching, which is Mm -hmm. different to the coaching that we're often referring to. so, I mean, I think there's there's a need for all types of coaching in schools. Um, I suppose it, it's looking at at the needs in the school, but for head teachers and leaders, definitely where it's the pure coaching that that we're focused on. And it's again, as you as you said, it's about making sure schools understand what coaching is and how it impacts the outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as I've said, you know, there is that real confusion of even when I explain, um, you know, about my role as coach, when I was a teacher, it was so much easier just to say I'm a teacher and everybody knows what you do. And then suddenly when you say you're a coach, people kind of go, what does that mean? And I think that there is just that, yeah, it's not just, it's not just sitting about talking. It's a really kind of structured approach and it's it's a really robust approach as well and there's so many ways in which you can you can create a coaching culture you know um, in your school whether that is actually doing group coaching actual group coaching with with members of staff whether that is teaching um, coaching approaches so that people can peer coach but we always need to go back to this idea that you know you've got to have the goal in mind I think the danger with sort of peer coaching and things is that it, it can it can descend into a chat or it can descend into well what we call in Scotland a greeting meeting where you're just sitting <laughs> moaning <laughs> yeah things, you know and it's very easy for these things to descend into that it's natural I've been there you know I've, I've been there myself um but it is it's just about st- staying that kind of forward facing um and 
there's just so many opportunities um, you know we've not even touched on coaching young people you know there's so, just so many coaching opportunities in school um, within the management team within the teaching team um, everybody yeah absolutely and I'm sure you've seen it done both effectively and you've seen it done not so effectively I know I've I've seen both um, and I think that's also a theme that's coming through is the, the implementation and making sure that it doesn't sort of transcend into these just off off yes. the cuff conversations and complaining and moaning. What would, what advice would you give um, to wrap up? What advice would you give to schools or to leaders about how to effectively implement a culture of coaching? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, just find out about it, be knowledgeable about it really you know think if you're you know we've all as teachers we've all been um, in situations where you are told that you you must buy into something you know this is a new program and we're all going to buy into it um you know and I think there's probably quite a lot of skeptical teachers out there who are probably just oh this is just another another fad another program you know another fashion and I think that it's it's so important to really for for a school to really find out exactly what is coaching, what benefits can it bring? And, you know, and I think what one of your previous speakers, you know, it, it's about finding the time to really do that meaningfully. It's, you know, it's, it's got to be done meaningfully and it's got to be done properly. Otherwise, it does just become people sitting and chatting and moaning, um, which doesn't, doesn't really help anybody. And I think that just for schools to really really remember that the phenomenal power of listening that ultimately people want to be heard people want to be listened to and I think that developing that kind of coaching culture in the school where people feel as if I am valued I I am given the time and the space to work through things um, and to really contribute I think is really really important to have you know, in order to have a kind of happier staff who ultimately will provide better learning and teaching, which is what we all what we all want. And that is the aim is to make everybody better at what they do. And what you said, the phenomenal power of listening, because it is it's crucial, as you said, to making people feel valued um, by giving them that time and space for those conversations. Yeah, I mean, just that power of just saying to somebody, you know, in a genuine, authentic way, tell me about it tell me how you're feeling tell me more as you know you can see people people tend to go one of two ways they either tend to get quite puffed up and proud that they're being given time or they they kind of crumble because they're so you know what I mean because they're just Mm -hmm. so like god when was the last time somebody really said to me I want to listen to you yeah no absolutely it's it's really interesting listening to all these, you know, different different perspectives of coaching, but the same themes come up. And I think the key is, you know, when you were talking, it made me think maybe that's why a lot of people have this misconception of coaching because it hasn't been done well in, in schools and they haven't been listened to properly or they haven't been given the proper time to have these conversations. And, you know, we've we've heard about how it's so important to give time to it, to make it a priority and to make sure that coaching is done well. And this is this is key. 
Um, and what you've said is is absolutely the the key thing is is giving the time, making people feel valued because at the end of the day, it's making them better at what they do. Absolutely, you know. I think teachers are always kind of falling victim that as I said to all these new new programs and new ways of doing things. And I think it's it's really important for it just not to be another another thing, another thing that we're told to buy into or it's a new approach where you have to do this. It's so much more than that. It's it's really a way of life. And and, and once you have the tools to coach it's it's just amazing that the, the difference that it makes in, in your whole life and your personal life as well yeah and I like how you said it that kind of sums it up it should be a way of life and mm-hmm. and that's the way it should be driven in schools it should be just a way of life it has been amazing talking to you Lindsay I could actually talk I, I love these conversations <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show this morning thank you thank you so much for having me it's been great thank you no it's been brilliant to talk to you and yeah I hope I get to have a conversation with you at, a, at another another time yes that would be lovely take care brilliant thank you so much Lindsay thank you thank take you. care bye-bye So for those of you who've just joined, uh, it is the Saturday Breakfast Show with Flora Cooper. We are talking about coaching, the power of coaching from different perspectives. And we've heard from Katie Smith and Lindsay Clancy, uh, different perspectives about coaching and the power of coaching and thinking about how to implement it well and to change the perception of what coaching is and, and how it actually transforms lives. It has the power to when done effectively. Um, don't forget to tweet out uh, hashtag TT Radio 2022 at TT Radio 2022. Um, in a moment, we have got Tom Sherrington joining us. And before that, I'm going to play the sponsors. So have a little listen to our sponsors. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Okay, sorry I stopped that too late. Okay, so welcome again to the Saturday Breakfast Show, talking about the power of coaching from different perspectives. In a moment, I'm going to be inviting in our guest, Tom Sherrington, who is our final guest for this morning. Um, but before him, I also spoke to Josh Goodrich um, at Josh underscore CPD on Twitter. Um, he's led coaching at a school level, um, head of teaching and learning, and also at trust level, which he now runs Step Lab, which helps, gives a platform to provide instructional coaching to schools. And we had a quick little conversation about coaching and how to make sure it's embedded and implemented well. And one of the things he started with was implementation. So he totally believes um, that without a clarified, shared understanding of what good looks like. Coaching cannot work if they don't know what they're aiming for, which makes total sense. We talk about waggles for children and what a good one looks like, and it's that success criteria making that clear. Um, and he then said that SLT should decide what good looks, looks like, um, or a group to decide on what that looks like, and then be relentless in sharing that with others. Uh, for all coaching, he said, everyone must know what good looks like. And then he talked about, about culture and that whole cycle of observation and feedback and saying that schools need to move away from judgmental observation. So it's not that high stakes uh, where people don't trust the process and almost divorcing the two ideas in teacher's head. So making it explicit that the instructional coaching is not part of appraisal so that the same person then who's doing appraisal shouldn't then be doing the coaching, um, which was a really interesting thing to listen to, actually. Um, and then next was about the modeling of coaching and deliberate practice. And he was then also talking about this idea that it has to be a part of the whole school professional development, which we've heard a lot. Um, and meta modeling by senior leaders. So everyone is familiar with it and happy and happy to engage with it. And he then talked about this sort of structural um, impl implementation and thinking about the fact that actually it very often falls down at system implementation if coaching isn't actually happening. And his question was, um, which he would ask people in schools and senior leaders is, do you know if it's actually happening? Is it happening at all? How do you know it's happening? 
And he talked about making sure to put this into system design and really thinking about, is it good? How do you know it's good? Is it being effective? And the leadership team constantly evaluating coaching in the school. Um, and then thinking about if it's happening weekly, every week, the leadership team asking, is it effective? Is it good? How do we know? Um, so lots, lots of really, really good points there from Josh. Um, again, you can find him on Twitter at Josh underscore CPD. And that was looking at instructional coaching. So we are about to be joined by Tom Sherrington and uh, do answer, put in some comments about what your thoughts on coaching are. Um, has it been effective when you've had coaching? Um, is, it in, is it embedded effectively in your school? So we're going to be joined now by Tom Sherrington. Good morning, Tom. Hello, can you hear me okay? I can, we've got you. Yes. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. Are you? I think, uh, yeah, everyone just, knows I, you've got COVID. I'm just on like day, day four, day five. I'm losing oh, track, no. but it's kind of, yeah, it's okay. We're getting through it. Okay. Well, good. It, it, it's relentless COVID, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, you've been on the show before, I know, with other guests, um, with other hosts. Um, just do you want to introduce yourself a little bit for everyone listening? Okay, so I'm turn. I used to be a, a teacher and a head teacher for about thirty odd years. I was a teacher, and now I, I'm a, a sort of teacher trainer, and I've written a few books about teaching, especially the walkthroughs is the most recent one. And uh, I do a lot of training in schools and colleges, and support schools to develop coaching systems and so on. So it's a mixture of writing books. And I write a blog, teachahead.com. I'm sort of in the middle of writing something now, actually. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of the ideas I, I talk about in schools are shared on there. Yeah, some really, really useful information. If, if people haven't read those blogs, um, do, do make a point of, of having a look because there's some really interesting information, really useful and really helpful. So we're talking about coaching. So why coaching, Tom? <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I, I have a very particular sort of interest, which is uh, coaching teachers to be more effective in the classroom. So I've listened to some of your other guests and, that, you know, there's a wider field of coaching. And I think it's important to, to recognise that. Um, Absolutely. I don't really have any experience of that. So I've never been coached. Um, but for me, it's, it's about teachers trying to improve their practice. Yeah. And, and there's quite a well-established kind of understanding that teachers only really improve if they sustain practice on specific things over a period of time. And it's hard to do that just on your own. You know, you need to have some sense of um, motivation to do that. So it's good to be part of a process or a team. It's, you need some external feedback. It's hard to just be totally self-aware the whole time about what you're doing well and what you could improve. And also sometimes you just really need to learn more about what is possible from other people who are more expert than you and can see suggestions that, about things what, that you might do. So there's an expertise in the type of coaching that I'm talking about that I just find teachers really benefit from. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and 
it's really right to point that out. We are talking about sort of different perspectives of coaching and the coaching that you talk about is very much the instructional coaching in schools. And, but it's the same principle. It's the, the outcome for coaching is, is making people better at what they do and, and, you know, giving them that, that time and reflection. So I think one of the things, cause I've been in schools where coaching has been done well, and then schools where coaching hasn't been done well um, through implementation. What are kind of your top tips for schools of implementing coaching? I think, I mean, to echo some um, things that people were saying earlier, I think it's important to develop the team of coaches before you start launching onto people. I think there's nothing worse than being coached. Well, not, not nothing worse, but it's pretty poor to be coached badly. So you don't want that to happen. It's good to start with a nucleus of people who you feel have the knowledge and confidence to do instructional coaching well in a teaching and learning context. So identify who they are. And then you have to devise a process for that to happen. So you need to identify the system that you're going to use and where the time will come from. Because the two pitfalls I've come across, which are quite common pitfalls, is that teachers, schools go too far to everyone's going to coach everyone um, kind of thing. And people just don't have the knowledge to do it. So it's like a lot of people not doing it very well. And the other one is, even though then there's a coaching team identified, they don't really legitimately have the time to meet the people they're supposed to be coaching in the structure of the school week. So it's all done on the on the fly and on the and it and it's just quite becomes becomes quite infrequent and you're not developing this sort of sustained iterative kind of loops of gradual improvement. So those are the two main things you need to you need to map it out and say like where would this happen and who's going to do it and let's start training those people in a in a process and then I think there's some really good frameworks so I mean you've had Josh on so some people might be going down the road of using Step Lab uh, and all the, you know if it's using the, the toolkit that I I'm making the walkthroughs it's sort of just just committing to something and saying that's the system we're going to base it around so that you learn the system so that it becomes sort of in the background. There's always a kind of learning process that you go through where this, until the system becomes fluent and, 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 and until you've reached that point, you're sort of sitting there sort of filling in boxes and stuff. <laughs> you have to get through that, that period. Um, and so you have to anticipate that that's going to happen. And so you have to plan for the long term. You know, coaching doesn't just immediately spring into being in a school. So you've got to think like, What's a reasonable time scale for this process to develop in our school? Let's be really realistic about it. So all of that needs thinking. And, you know, some some places I go to have got that really kind of going well and others are struggling a little bit because they haven't quite got their head around all those particular elements. Yeah, and that's that's sort of really interesting. I've been in the I've been in schools where um They've, they have, they've tried to make everybody a coach, which is what you sort of refer to where everyone's coaching and it doesn't work. Um, and so that's, that's a really interesting aspect about making sure that you do have trained coaches who are the ones delivering that coaching to, to the rest of the team in school. Um, so implementing it, how often should these coaching conversations be taking place, would you think, to make it sustainable and to make it work in the long term? Well, I, I think there's, I don't think there's some absolutes here. And I, and I kind of, you know, some people might debate this, but 
for example, I don't, some of the systems that you could read about almost imply that it has to be a weekly thing. And then people just go, well, just, this is never going to happen. Because, <laughs> And I don't think people, some of the things you're coaching people on, like, for example, crafting, um, modeling, writing, for example, you know, if, if you've had a coaching session on that, it can take you a couple of weeks to kind of have a go, practice, try to do it better. And so, you know, some, sometimes three or four weeks apart is absolutely great. You know, it's just enough time to get going, to think, and then to come back again. If it's something like to do with behavior management and you're struggling with your difficult year nines, you know, you don't want to wait four weeks before someone, you want it, that, that, that might be something much more intensive. So I think you have to flex it. So I, I'm a big believer that a coaching process needs to be not programmatized for everyone, but flexible so that different people engage with it at the level they need. And so that's part of the kind of contracting process you're in when you're coaching someone is you sort of, you're constantly saying, so what, what are we working on? So when should we meet next? And it's always negotiated within a sort of general frame. And so once it's going to like seven or eight weeks apart, it's not really coaching anymore. It's like sort of a series of one-off things, I would say. Um yeah, that's interesting because, again, you know, where these schools have set it up and said we have to have these coaching conversations every single week and then they find out it's just not sustainable. So absolutely the idea of being flexible but not having so much time between the sessions, the coaching sessions, that it, it's not actually transforming anything and changing things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is the big risk. I mean, there are some great people who talk about this stuff, Ian Robinson, who talk about, you know, PD activities. There's a real risk, this is a real risk, that you can do a lot of work setting up a coaching system, which makes no difference to the teaching at all, because it's all about the process. And I've seen that, I've seen that starting to happen. So, you know, for example, people start talking about, uh, and I know, I know this from sort of more wider coaching as well, not just instructional coaching, where people are just saying, have you had your coaching session? Um, X percent of our teachers have had a coaching session, and they're kind of talking about how many have been done, um, have you ticked the box? Have you completed your coaching report kind of thing? Have you filled in the box on the coaching tracker? It's like, oh, my God. It's, it's become about the program. And those teachers aren't necessarily then going into a lesson to, to teach better. So the spirit of coaching, the point of it, the, that real motivation to go into my lessons and really work on that bit of my practice, it's got to be absolutely in the forefront. And the system has got to be sitting right in behind it, not not the thing which you think you're doing. So that's why that's so so important for people to whatever package your system they're using. It's got to be given a kind of. It's just there to help you do it. It's not the thing you're doing. Do you know what I mean? And I've seen that go wrong too often. It's, mm. it's depressing, really. You think, come on, guys. It's not about filling in those boxes. It's about the conversation. It's about that teacher feeling motivated, fired up, a bit more knowledgeable about what they might do next, ready to do it. And we might make a note of what that is so we remember it next time. But let's keep that really lean and really sort of flexible. That, that's that's a big thing for me. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear that. It's that you said the spirit of coaching, the, the motivation and, and getting people fired up. And that is what coaching conversations should do. So how do you embed that in the culture in a school? How do you embed the culture that this coaching is should be motivational, should be inspiring, and should inspire in people that want to be better at what they do? 
Well, I, th- I think you need to have valves. I mean, this is, this is easier said than done. I think you need to do some modelling of it. So you need to have coaching training for people coaching. So you sort of say, this is, you know, this is what we do and some scenarios where you, this is the sort of thing I've been doing recently where you sort of, how would you coach a person like this and how would you coach a person like that? And being prepared to flex the, the approach according to who it is. So, you know, you have to have that type of thing can be really helpful. I'm also a big fan, and this is something which is, I don't know if it's, I I actually think increasingly I'm finding schools where the best solution that I'm thinking works for them and they kind of think, yeah, that would be great, is paired coaching and team coaching. Something really powerful about coaching two people at the same time because you, you hear the conversation like the other person's having and you kind of, because someone else is in the room, you know, talking to this, the, the, the other person, you're, you're kind of thinking, yeah, what am I saying? You're more, you're more careful and you're more deliberate about what you say the whole time. So you really think hard about it and you think, yeah, I, I have to be motivating, I have to, be, I have to give precise praise, I have to probe in a, in a way which is supportive, not overly critical, but then I have to also not pull my punches. I'm going to say, if I feel the teacher needs to do something, I'm going to say it in a way which is constructive. And it's a sort of need to model that. And the other person is hearing that. And I've seen this done really well where two or three people are coached by another person. And then those people can carry on having those conversations between them with their coaches in there. And that also works with, with, say, teams in schools. You know, most the most natural home for people to talk about their teaching is in their team. And they meet quite regularly very often. So one of the things I'm interested in now at the moment is you go to a college or a school, they, these people meet regularly anyway, quite often. So why, we, why don't we turn that into a coaching forum? So they're coaching, they're kind of, what's, what are we doing well that's working, right? What's the problem we're trying to address? So what steps are we going to take? And that can be done sort of collectively. And that then starts modelling the process. And then like, people who are really good at that can observe that and give feedback on it. And then you're more likely to then have people who know what to do when it's one-to-one. And, and I think that, for a lot of people, it's a really good bet to start with that more collective approach before you go to get fine grained with individuals. Because it's organic for me. It's, I, think, I don't think you can script all of this. I don't think you can codify all of it. I think that, that risks the spirit being lost. I think you need to model it relentlessly. And I'm, I'm, I feel that's the way to go personally. Yeah, and that's kind of been a, th- a theme as well, is this the modeling of it, the relentless aspect of it, making making it a real part of the fabric of everything you do in your school. Um, and yeah, how powerful, if, if, if teams are meeting anyways, turning it into a coaching team meeting would absolutely, it just seems like it would transform the confirmation into a completely different focus and give it more purpose. Do you think in team coaching, one of the things I I question is, do people, do you think hold back when they're in a team coaching situation rather than one-to-one? Well, I think this depends. Obviously, there's so many contexts, aren't there? So let's say, because what I I observe generally, like if you go to watch a teacher teach, there's three types of things you're seeing. You see sort of curriculum-specific things where you're thinking, like, is this scheme of work working? Are these resources any good? How are they being you know, delivered by, by the teachers? And you see that across a group of teachers. There's, like, general curric- uh, teaching things, like, bet- you know, there's a common thing that's sort of going well or not going well is this, and so we can talk about that. So those two things can be discussed collectively quite 
to some degree and, and coached around, you know, a bit like in a football team, you know, that you'd coach the way the team played together. But also there's the third thing, which is individual teachers and the thing that they're doing. And so sometimes I just think, what's, what's the relative value of all of those things? Quite a lot of improvement could be made just by focusing on the collective things. And, the, and then the, the individual thing, you just sort of, you know, you can kind of pick your moments to have those conversations, but they don't need to be the main driver of the whole process. If the team spirit is effective and you get a lot of, a lot of people naturally enjoy that feeling of doing stuff with their colleagues, it's, it's the strong motivational thing. Um, we're, I'm not, it's not about me being good or bad. It's about us as a team working on this thing that we all share. And that's, I just think that's such an interesting idea that we shared problems have, and shared solutions are the motivational kind of intellectual aspect, which, which makes teachers then actually go and do it because they know that they're working on it together. But of course you need someone in that room to say, if it's not great, you know, so you do need to have, so that's why I feel like team leaders who do that also need training and how to run those sessions. So they're sort of not just saying, Hey guys, everyone, everything's great. Everything. You know, it's not just, a soft sort of pat on the back every time. Mm. Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff to think about actually, because the, I think this is where a lot of schools fall down. It's, it's the training aspect and this, this idea of how to train people effectively um, and making sure that it is being run effectively in school. So for schools that are sitting on the fence about coaching, because obviously as schools anyways, without the pressure of COVID, um, it's always something else. It's always seen as we're adding something else or, or we're implementing another thing. How or what advice would you give to schools sitting on the fence about it, about why should this be something that schools should bring in? Because it's not just another thing. It should be a part of the process. Why should schools adopt coaching? Well, I'd say it's probably the most strongly evident sort of form of PD we know. So in a professional development, it's hard to get right. And <clears throat> it, it's just the main thing that you're trying to do. You're trying to get children to learn more, students to learn more. That's only going to happen if teachers are more confident and skillful in doing everything they need to do in the classroom, which is where it, it all happens. And what's the best way to get those teachers to be more confident and knowledgeable? It's through the best known PD model we have, and that is coaching. And, but I think we need to flex the idea of coaching, a full-blown one-to-one instructional coaching model, which is with weekly meetings, for example. It's like just one way of doing it. And it might not even be the best in a certain context. It could be more flexible coaching structures, a, a team of coaches that have a, a kind of a number of people they coach at certain points. It could be team coaching, it could be paired coaching. So I think there are lots of different structures of coaching which are worth exploring. But unless you're creating some system of iterative improvement, like constant focus, really trying to improve and improve and improve on specifics over time, teachers aren't going to improve as much as you want. And like your, your, your sort of CPD day three times a year type approach is not going to get anywhere near that. So we, we, it's just, that, that's what I'd be saying. And then, and then you need a sort of toolkit to support that. You need, you need some sort of what, what Jim Knight calls an instructional playbook. You know, that what are the things you talk about? You need a common language for that. 
which is why certain things like you know Rosenstein's principles and stuff just uh, are so useful because there's a, a set of defined techniques that have got a name that teachers can then discuss, and it's just really useful to have that. And that's why the walkthroughs has been reasonably successful because it's just given people like something to talk about when they're in those sessions, which they have to invent. They just see, okay, this is this is laid out for us. Let's talk this through, and even if they don't agree with it, they can agree to not agree with it. It's just there to, as a framework. So I think that that thing is. The need to have that common language is, is it's amazing how that works. You know, I've seen this really light schools up as they are all talking the same language and they really love that. So that's another reason to do it is because through the coaching process, you're going to develop this common language around the challenges we face, the solutions there are. And it, it's kind of creates, it has a sort of unifying feeling about it. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, yes, coaching. Coaching is the way to go. So anyone listening who is thinking about sort of embedding coaching in, um, go read Tom Sherrington's stuff. Go look at his Twitter. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much, Tom, for being on the show this morning, especially when you've been so ill with COVID. I'm so sorry. But do go rest now and, and go put your feet up. So thank you so much for being here this morning. No, thank you so much. It's been a really great show. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Tom. And get better. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we are ending our show now, Saturday Breakfast Show, talking about the power of coaching. We've had Katie Smith on, Lindsay Clancy, and Tom Sherrington talking about different perspectives of coaching and thinking about coaching from a leadership perspective, coaching as a head teacher, coaching being embedded as part of instructional coaching process in school. We've heard a lot of themes about time, effectively embedding it, making sure that it becomes sort of crucial to the professional development in schools. So yeah, some amazing, amazing stuff. Coaching is a way to go. Get into coaching, everybody. That is the key message. So a huge thank you to everyone, to Josh as well, uh, Josh Goodrich, and also to Craig Brown for their insights into coaching. Thank you so, so much. All right. So do listen this evening to uh, The Late Show tonight with Tom HB talking about presentation in books. That's going to be a great debate. I can't wait to listen to that. And also Joseph Hammond on The Lunchtime Show at one o'clock. Thank you all so, so much for being a part of the show today and for listening along. And I will, hopefully, you will hear from me in about a month's time. So take care, everyone. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.